Good morning, church. How you doing this morning? You look good. I'm glad you're here. Happy holiday weekend. Will you put your hands together? Welcome those who are joining us live online through the power of the internet. While you got those hands going, keep them going. Can you thank the band for leading us in worship this morning? I'm amazed they have a guitar go out and it's like they don't even miss a beat. And I think I take Eric for granted sometime. Isn't he phenomenal? Um, I'll tell you though, this morning I, I had this grand idea at 7 a.m. that involved Eric riding a motorcycle through our building this morning. And uh, it's not happening, so you don't need to worry about it. Uh, but Eric didn't want to do it because he didn't want to get helmet hair before he gets up here and leads worship. Uh, no, the reality was he was already on his way. If you're new with us, we want to welcome you here to Mercy Road Church. Uh, my name's Josh, I'm one of the pastors here, and this morning's message is particularly important to me. And I'm going to confess some things, be a little bit vulnerable to you this morning. I believe the things that we are discussing, they really matter. And over the last five years of us starting a church, our five-year birthday bash is coming up in just two weeks, September 18th. It's going to be nuts. We're going to have all our three morning services. I encourage you, attend one of the outside ones that we know we're going to be out of room at 1025. Uh, that morning, we're going to have a party every, um, every hour after each service, during the services, out in the parking lots. There's going to be inflatables. Uh, ben Glenn, the chalk artist, is going to be in the kids' area. We are going to have uh, Master Chef top five finalist. We're hoping this week top four. We'll see Tenoria Askew will be, yeah, you can clap for Tenoria. She runs our hospitality team here at the church. Uh, but she is going to be judging a cook-off that uh, day as well. It's going to be a, a fabulous time. There's a, a card in your program this morning. Take a look at that. Invite somebody. That card this morning, go ahead and pull that out. That little piece of card stock, it's not materially worth a lot. We get them printed very cheaply, but it represents a life that could be eternally changed by a simple invitation. My wife actually came to Christ because somebody at a gas station invited her to come hang out at church one day when she was in her early 20s. She showed up at that church and she ended up giving her life to Christ. The power of an invitation is incredible. Use it. We're putting a, a lot of effort into our fifth birthday celebration. Use it, invite somebody in your oikos, your sphere of influence, and ask God to impact their lives. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 8. We're continuing our five Sunday teaching series called Underground Jesus. We've talked about having underground faith in Christ, and nobody can take that away from us. We talked about underground discipleship when Darren came and spoke. Last week, we talked about underground um, church, excuse me, underground our outposts or missional communities and what it looks like to see the underground church alive in our day. And this Sunday, we're going to talk about what it looks like to see an underground movement for Christ happen. Now, if you're new to the New Testament, there are four Gospels that talk about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Many of you have heard of them. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of the Gospels, only 16 chapters. We're not entirely sure who wrote the Gospel of Mark. We know it was Mark the Evangelist. Some believe that's John Mark that you read about in the book of Acts, who traveled with Paul. But we're not certain. We do know that it's most likely an account that Peter has passed on to Mark, who writes the Gospel. Most likely, it's the earliest written in the 60s AD before the temple has been torn down by Emperor Nero in 70 AD. 
We get the life and the teaching of Jesus, and it's much more simplified than some of the other Gospels. For instance, the Gospel of Matthew is more of a Hebrew or Jewish account. The Gospel of Luke was written by a physician. Luke was a physician. He wrote Luke-Acts together, and it was more of a historical account for the Gentiles. And then the Gospel of John, written by the disciple John, was more heartfelt, has more of the words of Jesus. So as we read Mark and we learn of the teachings of Jesus, we've been studying what is the, the teachings of Jesus? How do they shape us as disciples? What does it mean to follow Jesus as a church today? And this Sunday, what I hope to lay out for you is God's greater vision to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches, the expansion of God's kingdom, a viral movement for Christ today. There's a great book by Ed Stetzer and Warren Bird called Viral Churches. And it talks about that very heart of the gospel, that when we see an open-handed leadership where it's not about building a personal brand of a local church, but seeing the kingdom expanded, that that viral movement is alive and well today just as it was in the New Testament times. That's at the heart of what we are discussing here today. This isn't about our local church. It's about the advancement of the kingdom of God. It's about those who don't know Jesus. Do we have compassion for them? Do we love them? Do we desire to see more lives impacted and changed eternally? You see, none of my atheist friends, they may not believe what I believe. They may have issues with what I believe even. But none of them have an issue. If I really believe that Jesus is the means to eternal life forever in paradise, in heaven with God, if I really believe that, they don't, have, they don't take offense if I talk to them about it. In fact, I remember one of my atheist friends one time, he said in college, he said, hey, you're a Christian. Shouldn't you be trying to save me or something? You know, he's kind of making fun of Christians, but at the same time, he really believed, if I believed those things, I would want to tell somebody about it. That is at the heart of what we're doing this morning. Turn to Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. And what I hope to do, we could have looked at the, the book of Acts, and you could see how the early churches started. And we'll refer to the disciples, how they're sent out to impact all kinds of different communities within the Roman Empire and beyond. But I want to get to the root of that. The teachings of Jesus that instilled the early, in the early disciples that someone else was more important than themselves. That taking the gospel to somebody was something that mattered because Jesus demonstrated servant leadership, the same leadership we are to lead. Are you ready to study God's word together this morning, church? Mm, come on now. Here we go. Verse 34 in Mark chapter 8, it says this. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, if you are here, and you want to learn the ways of Jesus and follow him. You want to be his disciple. You must deny yourselves, deny themselves, and take up the cross and follow me. Now remember, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. The first disciples had been like, what is Jesus talking about? I don't know what he smoked before he came in here, but like, I don't know, have any idea what he's talking about. But afterwards, it sinks in. And it was the seed of this that will go on to change most of the Roman Empire. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with his holy angels. I believe a major reason we don't see revival within the American churches today is that we lead with closed hands too often rather than open ones. Jesus demonstrated we exist to serve others. We're going to look at several passages throughout the Gospel of Mark and Mark 8, Mark 10, and Mark 11 that demonstrate the calling we have to lead with an open hand, to embrace sacrifice, to serve others, and to do what the Lord has asked us. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for each person. Man, I can't believe how many people are at this service on a holiday weekend. Could be out at the lake right now. NFL's starting up soon, and we got college football and all this stuff, and we've dedicated this time to worship you, to hear from you. Many of us in the room right now, we need to hear from you. We pray we'd hear with fresh ears, see with fresh eyes. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit right now in this room with us. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen. Uh, do we have any big brothers in the room? Any big brothers out there? Uh, like you have a younger sibling. Yeah, I'm a big brother. Uh, we have any people who are cyclists out there, whether by, you like cycle down the Monon on time or you're like into motorcycles, anybody out there? Okay. I, I, when I, growing up, I grew up in what many of you would consider the country. And I can remember this distinctly, this particular story where my little sister, who was two years younger than me, she was just learning to ride a bike. And like any good big brother, you can see where this story's going, we're riding down the lane of her house, and she's riding up in front of me, and I pedal up real fast, and I fake, right? Like I fake like I'm going to run right into her. It's not a good idea. Uh, big brothers in the room, don't do this to your little sisters. She got freaked out. She swerved on the handlebars. And I tell you, I, the promise is true. The bike propelled her and her five-year-old body over the handlebars, and she landed face first on the pavement. Anybody think I got in just a lot of trouble that day? You would be correct. I did get in a lot of trouble, as I should have. And I regret those things you do in your childhood. In fact, as a parent, I also have seen my uh, son at a young age. He learned how to ride his bike, and we took him out there. And he can ride a bike today, but he hardly ever does it, because the first time we went out riding, he, he wrecked it like anybody wrecks it, and the great parents that he has, that we laughed at him. <laughs> Don't act like you're better parents than us, but we did, and wrecking your bike hurts. It hurts. And I want to use that as a bit of an analogy this morning because I find often in the Christian faith, some of us know what it's like when, when life gets wrecked, the hurt that comes with it, right? Like some of you, you've had a broken relationship or marriage. Some of you have lost a job or career or house. You've gone through pain and suffering. If you, if you haven't, you probably haven't lived long enough yet. You know what it's like when that wreck happens, See, though, for so many of us, you even know what it's like when you try to follow Jesus, which what we're more concerned with this morning, you're trying to follow Christ in your life. Some of you have taken a leap of faith. You've tried to, you've been burdened for something and you've started a new ministry to help people. Some of you, you have been a part of a church plant that lasted for a year or three years or five years and eventually didn't work out the way that you thought. And you've ended up here as a place of refuge. 
Some of you, you've been a part of, let's be honest this morning, you've been a part of another large, great church locally. Probably name a number of them in here. And you've come here and maybe there were some reasons you came here. Maybe there were some leadership decisions that didn't line up with you or maybe it was just God's timing. That's okay. There'll be a time where many of the people, we tell them in the first step class where God has you, calls you here for a season and then that changes. That's okay. There's no mercy road section of heaven. We're all gonna be celebrating together. Although I say this every time, if there was, the mercy road section of heaven would be the party section. It'd be going nuts there, loud music thumping. But, but that does, that's not the case. And if we're honest, those, some of those things from churches and previous uh, decisions of following Jesus have hurt us. Some of us have even had major leaders within a local church or ministry have a large failing in their life, and it didn't just impact them and their family. It impacted the entire group of people that were following them, including yourself. That's hard. See, what I find is, is we follow Jesus, and that's really at the heart of what we're doing with this underground movement for Jesus series that we're doing. That when those moments happen, it's so easy just to kind of say, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven when I die, I'm going to cash it in from here on out. And what I want to encourage you this morning, you see, if you've ever ridden a bike before, if you just try and stand or sit on it, right, and not pedal and not move anywhere, it's really hard, isn't it? Go try it on your own. I thought about doing it visually, and I'm like, I'm going to look silly, so I didn't want to do that. I'm not that secure. So you'll fall over, but if you pedal and you're moving forward, that's the way the bike remains stable. And for many of us as Christians, we need to get back on that bike and start pedaling again. And I'm going to tell you, as we get into the passages that we're going to look, like, look at this morning, I believe in the fivefold ministry of the early church that we read about in Ephesians chapter 4. I believe that each of us is uniquely gifted and we participate in those five ministries and that's where you see the full measure of Christ come together, as Ephesians 4 says, where the body of Christ is represented. I believe that one of the things God has had me doing since a very young age is a pioneering leader to reach new Christians and start new things for God. Not because God needs me, but I get to be used by God. And so I know that naturally I am a doer. Do we have any doers out there? I know that about myself. Some of you out there, you're, you're not doers, you're, you're beers. You know what I mean when I say beer? Like you're really good at just being with Christ, which is amazing, incredible. The reality is we need both. And I've had to learn as a doer what it's like to just sit and be with Christ sometimes and not always be doing and taking new ground. And so for some of you this morning, you're tired, you're exhausted, you just need to be with Christ. You need to rest in him. This morning's message, though, is for many people within our culture who become stagnant in our faith. We need to get back up. We need to start pedaling again and see God use their lives. Over the last nine months, I told you to confess some things. I've, I've realized we planted a church. It's grown rapidly. Three years in, we bought a $2.3 million property. We moved to this location. We saw miracles of God happen. We've seen unchurched people surrender to Jesus. We've seen many of you who were very far from God, not just come to Christ, but be discipled. The last uh, couple of years, we spent so much time in the infrastructure of developing the way that we do discipleship. It's intentional. It's working. It's awesome. We spent a lot of time and energy and staff hours into raising up all kinds of outpost leaders. This morning, we have all of our missional communities we call outposts listed in here. Read through it. Pray how God could use you to actually get connected with the body of Christ in one of these smaller communities on mission. 
If you don't see one that's right for you just yet, I encourage you to come to Rooted this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right? Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, here at this building. We're kicking off a 10-week series. It's the easiest way to get connected to the life of our church, meet a bunch of other people. Our last Rooted experience in the spring, we're launching, I believe, five new outposts just out of that experience. So get connected, get involved. I believe that wholeheartedly some of us need to get back up and start pedaling this morning. But all of that won't happen if we don't embrace some of the early teachings of Jesus and Mark. So let's go back to Mark chapter 8. And what I want to encourage you this morning is that, number one, you might embrace sacrifice the way that Jesus did. In Mark 8, 34 to 35, it said, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus shares of his death and then tells them they'll need to pick up their crosses soon. And the disciples will end up going to the very ends of the Roman Empire and beyond because of that. In fact, we talked about last week, the original 11, they are given this title apostle, and it just, it means sent ones. They were the missionaries sent out into the world. Their model of ministry was not to gather everybody in Jerusalem. They were sent out to impact new people for Christ. The viral church movement began all the way back then. In fact, it's thought Peter will end up all the way in Rome, which was a long distance. It's thought that he will end up being crucified there and that he'll be crucified upside down. We don't know this for certain, but historical accounts say that he was crucified upside down because he could not be crucified in the same way his Savior was, and he wouldn't allow it. John, who writes several books in the New Testament, will end up on the island of Patmos in the Mediterranean Sea until a very old age, writing all of these things down, having a revelation from God. Uh, Thomas, who doubted Jesus, he will end up, it's thought, will go to India and be one of the first missionaries to India. The gospel just explodes during this first few hundred years as they grasp onto what it meant to sacrifice everything for the cause of Christ. If we don't understand what embracing sacrifice looks like in our lives, we won't see the type of movement that we read about in the New Testament. This is a really important next statement. If you're going to tweet anything out, tweet this one out. I didn't come up with it. A guy named J.D. Greer wrote this. We must be known for our sending capacity. We must be more known for our sending capacity than our seating capacity. We've been lucky as a church, guys. Most church plants don't make it past year three very few make it past year five. We didn't just make it to year five coming up. We've seen God reach a ton of new people for Christ and seeing what in many people's eyes in the world, they'd say, oh, that's successful. Yay for you guys. And we miss the whole point if we don't get, we are not defined by our seating capacity, but by our sending capacity. I give you the book that he writes us in, J.D. Greer. We had many of our leadership read this book. It's called Gaining by Losing. And he's got this great analogy in there that I just love. Many of us, when we think of the church, we think of when we come together, we can really impact the world. We're like a giant battleship, right? Just waiting to make an impact for Christ. And that's a very powerful thing. But he points out in the book this analogy that, well, that's certainly true. A better example of how God enabled the impact of the New Testament church was less of a battleship and more of an aircraft carrier. 
is you see these powerful weapons waiting to be sent out into the world, these powerful things that, in our case, for spiritually, we could impact our communities. That's what our outposts have always been about. It's why we embrace church planting. I'm going to be describing some church planting that we are doing. It's why one day, not this fall, not right away, but someday we will be starting campuses to reach more people for Christ. And I didn't say this the first service. I want to enable more and more of that, not just because we want to reach new people for the kingdom of God, but because we have insanely gifted people at this church who lead worship. I mean, we have two incredible bands that play here. We have incredible speakers And there are a number of people who haven't gotten an opportunity to preach as much as I would like to. And we're going to start getting people up more because we're going to be preparing to send out a campus someday. We're going to do it. We believe that God wants to expand us. And all of those things, those great vision to reach as many people for Christ as we can in our lifetime, it doesn't happen without us embracing sacrifice. You see, what we were so lucky to have early on when we started the church in a local school, we didn't have many people and we had some resources, but not a ton. And so we had to get scrappy and we had to learn what gorilla spiritual life looks like. Gorilla, not like G-O-R-I-L-L, like G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A. You know what you're all tracking? Like that type of mentality. We were going to do anything to see the kingdom of God expand. It's that mentality, that embracing of sacrifice. We're to put on one service. It used to take us four hours because we'd have to set everything up and tear everything down. And we had all these volunteers who would be there for four hours every single Sunday. And it was incredible and it was exhausting all at the same time. And that's what it's like following Jesus sometimes. And so if God is not calling you into that time of rest that you need right now, but he's calling you into a next time of getting back up and starting to pedal, maybe for many of you, you need to re-embrace what it's like to sacrifice for Jesus. Maybe for some of us this morning, we need to learn what it really looks like to be a servant. You see, in Mark chapter 10, skip ahead a couple of chapters, Jesus says this in verse 35 in response to James and John, the sons of thunder. To my favorite. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, also known as the sons of thunder, came to him, teacher, rabbi, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want? He says, skip down here to verse uh, 38. You don't know what you, excuse me, verse 37. Let one of us sit at your right and the other sit at your left in your glory. Verse 37, let one of us sit at your right and one of us sit at your left in your glory. Verse 38, you don't know what you were asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism, baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Verse 41, When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Servant. The Greek word for servant is doulos. It's interchangeable with the word slave, actually. The two were synonymous. And so it goes back and forth here. Verse 44, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, doulos of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That means God incarnate in the flesh, fully God, fully human, walking among us, didn't come for you to be lorded over. 
He came to serve you. If you are a disciple of Jesus that wants to learn to follow Jesus in his ways, doesn't matter your power, your platform, your prestige in this lifetime, we are all called to serve. To serve. Jesus served others before himself. He'll do it before he goes to the cross. He does it repeatedly throughout his ministry. What does it look like right now? You may not know your distinct calling yet but you know you were created to help those in need and to share your faith. What does it look like right now to begin to serve others in your life? If you can't get that compassion for other people, you are going to miss out on a greater relationship with Jesus Christ because it's very difficult to love God and not love people. In fact, the two, Jesus put them together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and being, the Shema, and the other, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments, Jesus says. What does it look like for you to love and to serve others with your life? It's that is what is really going to make an impact when we have an overwhelming commitment to the cause of Christ. There's this great little book. It's only about 100 pages long by a pastor from Australia named Steve Addison. It's been out about 10 years. It's called Movements That Changed the World. And he studied the underground church in China, which we talked a little bit about last week. And we, he studied the Moravian movements and, and other things throughout church history where Christianity expanded rapidly. What the early church saw in the, in the book of Acts. And each of those things, he found five different principles, and he lists them in the book. White hot faith, just an overwhelming passion for Jesus. But the second one is that they have an overwhelming commitment to the cause of Christ. How committed to the cause of Christ are you? We must be an underground movement of overwhelming commitment and service to Christ. You're not a disciple of Jesus if you don't commit to serving others, because that's how he demonstrated us to live. It's the very idea that others are more important than ourselves. This idea of loving God and others first was Jesus's, not ours. That's what drives the early Christians to leave their homes, to leave their possessions, and to tell people anywhere they can about the good news of Jesus Christ. Right in this room, there is the potential to change not just our communities, but to literally change a state for Christ. When God called us to plant this church, it was never one particular community. It was reach as many people in the state of Indiana as you can before we die. If we took that type of mentality where we embrace sacrifice, where we serve others, that guerrilla commitment to the cause of Christ, we could literally see an underground movement for Jesus actually happen. But we have to lead like this instead of like this. Do you understand the difference? Like this is vulnerable, and it means that you're sending people and you're more, more, known more for your sending capacity than trying to acquire more things so that you can have more people in your church, you can build your brand more in the local community, and you could actually see a wake of impact that isn't just about one local church. That's why we, uh, we're one of three churches to help start a church planting network called Multiply Indiana. And this network really got started because of a calling that when we came to plant the church, we received. And it's not about Mercy Road Church. It's about the kingdom of God and its expansion. You can go to multiplyindiana.com right now. You can see the website and what it's about. And the first plant we'll be doing is actually in two weeks. Do you know we're planting a church in two weeks? And it's going to plant just down the road off of 31 at the Rich Charles. We're going to watch a video. I interviewed their lead pastor, Justin Davis. You guys have heard before. He's preached here, and we've talked about the church some. But I want to let you know, as your pastor... If you want to leave to help start a local church, we're doing this. 
and we're going to empower you to go. And it's okay. That's what sending capacity looks like. Let's watch this interview together and then we'll close out the service. Hey guys, I'm sitting here with Justin Davis, uh, lead pastor of Hope City Church, which we're yep. launching on September 18th. And so, want to get to know you a little bit, ask a few questions. Yeah. So, you've preached at Mercy Road before, and Mercy yeah. Road and Multiply Indiana are helping start Hope City. And what, what why church plan? Where's your passion, desire for church plan? Man, I, I tell people all the time, if you can do anything else in your life, do it because um, church planning is not for the faint of heart as you know. I just have a passion for this city, I have a passion for this state and I knew that there are so many people that are far from God in this community but everybody thinks they're good people and so what if we could create a community that would strip away the pretense, strip away um, people acting as though they have it all together when they don't have it all together and create something where it's okay to not be okay but you can't stay there and infuse hope into people who look great on the outside, but they're desperate for hope on the inside. What's the vision? What's the plan? You're launching September 18th. Uh, what do you hope to do and, and where are you launching? You want to give some of those details? Over the last several months, we've been meeting here at Mercy Road. Uh, we, we are not meeting here on Sunday nights anymore, but you guys have generously you know, let us use your building. Um, sometimes abuse your building, but, uh, but we're launching September 18th at the Ritz Charles, which is a banquet hall in Carmel on the west side of Meridian. We kind of wanted to be in between Meridian Street and Michigan Road was kind of our goal. And there's just not a lot of facilities in that, in that area, um, but there's a lot of people. There's a lot of new subdivisions. There's a lot, of, a lot of growth over there. As we're watching this right now, there's three times as many people at home or not in church as there are in church. And I think we, we're not going to change that overnight, but we can change that. September 18th, what are the, the dates or the yeah, times so and sources? 9 and 10.30 a.m. Uh, we have full kids programming for all those for both those services. They're identical services. Um, and we're just trusting that God's going to show up. We don't know if there's going to be 70 people there or 300 people there. We're just, uh, you know, as a church planner, you're, you can do everything that you can. And then ultimately, it's up to God to show up. And so um, we're excited about it. We feel like we have a great launch team. Uh, we have a, a, some people from Mercy Road that have uh, contributed financially. They've helped us out with childcare. They, uh, I mean, you guys have been so generous, um, you know, given to us. Every time you give at Mercy Road, uh, you're giving to outside the walls, which is helping fund uh, Hope City Church. And so I'm so appreciative of that. And, uh, and so we're just really excited about this. So, yeah, family sitting here today, maybe they feel called to check out a service or to consider being a part of the launch team. What do they do? How do they follow up? How do they connect? Yeah, I mean, for, for the three or 400 of you that would like to join us, um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, no, I mean, I think for some of you that um, maybe you've been at Mercy Road a, a while and what was attractive to you about Mercy Road was the entrepreneurial aspect of it, the startup phase of it. Maybe God would like to use you for a season to help us get Mercy, to help us get Hope City started, that would be awesome. Uh, for some of you, uh, maybe you are, have been coming to Mercy Road and you feel like God's calling you to trust Him in deeper ways and be a part of something that's a little bit uh, faith. You know, being part of a church plan is, is definitely a test of faith. Um, you can email me, jdavis at hopecityindy.cc, and I'll be happy to follow up with you. Um, a couple of our like immediate needs are on September 10th. Uh, we're going to meet at the Ritz Charles at 10 a.m. 
for uh, just an afternoon from 10 to 2 and we're going to go and do door hangers on houses over in the village of West Clay and we're hoping to do 5,000 homes uh, which I don't think there's 5,000 homes over there but that's kind of that's how many door hangers we have and so we'll go from that two on one door exactly we'll, we'll go from 10 to 12 and then we're going to serve Chick-fil-A so it's free Christian chicken uh, for you uh, and then we'll do uh, 12.30 to 2. Uh, we have a group coming down from uh, Crown Point, Indiana. We have some people from Hamilton Hills that are coming over. So we're hoping for 40 to 50 people. Uh, so um, you can email me for, for that as well. And they'll put my email address up on the screen during this section right here. Um, and you can follow up with email. And then September the 11th, we need like four to six people to help us out with child care for our preview service. Those are just some minor ways. If you don't want to jump in and commit totally, but you want to have a hand in helping us out, those are two practical and immediate ways within the next six days that you can help us out in tremendous ways. What's your long-term goal for church planting in Indiana? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that we're aligned with Mercy Road is really not just because of relationship, but because of vision. Like, Multiply Indiana, I mean, we want to see this thing not just become uh, multiple churches, but a movement of churches in this state. And, and that's what's exciting to me. We want to create a movement of churches that transforms uh, the spiritual climate and landscape of the city of Indianapolis and the state of Indiana. And so that's what's exciting to me. I mean, yeah, Hope City, I'm, I'm pumped about it, but I think my greatest contribution to the kingdom isn't going to be uh, the church I pastor. It's going to be churches that we help start together. One more time, what's the web address to go on their smartphones right now and check it out? HopeCityIndy.cc and uh, Davis at hopecityindy.cc. Cool, check it out on your phone right now, hopecityindy.cc. Be praying big for September 18th. We'll have our five-year birthday bash the same day, launching a church just down the road at the Rich Charles, 9 and 10.30 a.m. are their service times for Hope City Church that Sunday. Be praying big. We want to see a movement of churches started throughout the state of Indiana. Check us out at multiplyindiana.com as well, the church planting network that Mercy Road, along with Hope City and Hamilton Hills Church are all starting together. We're praying that God uses that exponentially. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Justin, yeah, man, for doing for this. This is going to be awesome. We're praying. Can't wait to see how God uses it. It's going to be amazing. Cool. Back to you guys. Back to me. Isn't that awesome? You don't realize it, but you, through your generosity, we've committed to giving away over 30% of our budget this year. Within eight years, it'll be 50%. We're exceeding things as we go along and moving towards that 50%. Uh, you have already given away or will have committed to giving away $45,000 to help start a church in Hope City Church. Thank you for that. It's going to make an impact Throughout Christian history, the fastest form of evangelism has always been new churches. It requires you to go out into the community and say, hey, you don't have a church. We're trying to start one. You want to come check it out? When we started meeting in our home, most of the people that we invited over to our house, they didn't have a church home or they weren't even Christian. This morning, one of the first three people to help start Mercy Road Church, who wasn't a Christian when it started, not only is he now a Christian, he sat in the front row this morning. I never thought I'd see Kyle Smith sit in the front row in church, but he did this morning. Kyle, if you watch this later on, I'm calling you out because it's so cool to see how God works. He changes lives. It happens today. And when we do this and we stop doing this, 
we see God actually show up and make a movement for him occur today. Revival is actually occurring in our lifetime, not just 2,000 years ago. September 25th, that Sunday, the week after our birthday bash, my mentor from California, Glenn Gunderson, is going to be here. He's in his early 60s, but he has more energy than like a 20-year-old man. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Don't miss it. But that morning, we're also going to be unveiling the Multiply Initiative, our end-of-year campaign this year, as we hope to start many new churches, including several next year through Multiply Indiana. It's incredible what God is doing in our lifetime. Be praying for that. As your pastor, if you want to help Hope City Church get started, awesome. And if you go there and you help them get started and then you're like, well, this was awesome, but that was for a season. That's awesome too. That's okay. We're not going to be like, why are you coming back? What's wrong with you? For, for many of you, if you're sitting there today and you're like, you know, I don't, church playing is not really my thing. Um, I want to tell you there are ways to serve the way that Jesus did. Embrace, sacrifice, get involved in the life of a local church, serve through an outpost, serve here on a Sunday morning, or maybe you might be one of the people that will eventually help us start a new campus or two in different parts of the city. And we don't ha- know where that is yet. Our focus right now this fall, we started a third service, and that's a big hill to climb. We've got to reach more people for Christ to fill those services. And so maybe you can begin to pray about that. Maybe you want to embrace sacrifice, start coming to like the 9 a.m. service when people don't you know, really love Jesus of that day and hour, but like you get up early, you come there and you want to make more space here at 1025. I don't know what that looks like. I'm going to invite you right now, get out a connect card that you got in your program. If you didn't already turn it in and here's what we're inviting everybody to do. And we'll see if you actually do it this morning. The first service did. So if you don't at this service, we know you're not real spiritual people, but get that connect card out. And all I want you to do is just simply write down your name and what city you're located in. That's it. You don't have to even give us your address or anything. We just want to get your name and your city. And we're polling people this morning as we begin. We're not ready for this right now as a church, but we're going to begin to pray over the course of this year. What does it look like for us to one day plant campuses uh, where we can utilize more of the great preachers and worship leaders that we have, that we can see this exponential growth happen within our lifetime. If that is you here this morning, that maybe God is calling you into a role and seeing that actually happen. But we want to see where all our people are coming from, from different parts of the city. We know that some people drive 45 minutes or more just to be with us on Sundays, which is incredible. So write that down. And when you're done, at the end of the service, go out and turn your Connect card in at the Connect Center. I got to wrap this up. The final thing is we embrace sacrifice. We learn to serve like Jesus demonstrated. And number three, we do what the Lord told us to do. See, in Mark chapter 11, we don't have time to read it, but in those first 11 verses, we have the triumphal entry of Jesus when he rides in on the donkey on Palm Sunday. You remember that passage? It was actually a pastor was preaching that. I was living in California at the time, going to a conference outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and this pastor preached on that passage. And he talked about how He tells the disciples, go into town and you're going to find a donkey, a colt, because the Lord loves the colts. He said, go in there and I want you to find that colt and I want you to bring it back. And think about this. He says, if anybody asks you why you're doing it, just tell them the Lord told you to. So when you go from church today and you see that Maserati, just jump into it, drive it away. Anybody asks you why, you just tell them the Lord told you to. But they steal the donkey, they bring it back. And Jesus rides it in, fulfilling Old Testament scripture, prophetically said about the coming of Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, They recite Psalm 118, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Only the king is a humble servant riding a donkey instead of a noble steed. 
And he was talking about that passage and why he does what he does in ministry because the Lord told him to. And I just want to simply ask, as you embrace sacrifice, you learn to serve as Jesus did, what does it look like as you get back up on that bike and you start pedaling? Because if you just stay stagnant, you're going to fall over. You're going to miss out on what God really wants to see happen. You will find stabilization in your faith as you pursue him and pursue him and pursue him and what it is he has for you. And as you do that, what is he telling you to do? See, some of you in this room, you have this hidden thing, this desire God's been instilling in you to start a ministry, to help out, to embrace something, but you have been hurt and you've fallen off and you're afraid to take next steps. I've been there and I just want to encourage you, do not give up, jump back on, start pedaling away and see how God can use you. We need to be asking, what has the Lord told us to do? And maybe he's telling some of you to jump on board and go plant a church down the road. Maybe he's telling some of you to help us get a campus started one day or multiple campuses. Maybe he's telling some of you, I need to just start serving and getting connected in the church. He's telling some of you, I need to be, I need to prioritize Wednesday nights for 10 weeks. I'm gonna be there this Wednesday night. I'm gonna sign up for Rooted at the Connect Center today. I don't know what he's telling you. But whatever it is, we need to stop just listening and we need to start doing what he's asking. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you as just humble servants this morning. There are many of us in this room right now, we have known about you for a really long time and we have been afraid to take next steps of faith. We've been afraid to jump out there and ask you to use us because we've, we've failed before. Some of us, we have sin issues that we know are keeping us. We know that they're keeping us from seeing our full potential in you. May we confess that to you right now. God, forgive us for our wrongdoing. Forgive us for the things that are keeping us from you. And maybe there are some of us in the room, if we're real honest, we need to have somebody to pray with us this morning because we got some dark stuff we got to deal with and we don't want it to be secret anymore. We want to bring it to the light so God can heal it. And for others of us right now, like you, you know you need to take that leap of faith, but you are just so afraid. You're afraid to do it because you're not sure if God's going to show up. The disciples weren't that different from you. And yet it was because of their faithfulness, they're willing to take a risk to step out and embrace sacrifice and to serve others before themselves, that they actually see this movement for Christ happen. God, we could see churches started all over the state of Indiana. New churches, Lord Jesus, new campuses, a viral movement for your kingdom cause today. But it takes us willing to embrace that. And so maybe you need to take that step of faith and you're going to surrender everything to him to see your life used. And so if you want to lead for Jesus today, I want you to pray with this with me. God, I am not perfect. Forgive me for my wrongdoing. But I want to see you use my life exponentially. Connect me more to a local church. Help me to start that next church plant. Help me to start that next campus. Whatever it is that he's putting the desire on your heart, respond to him now. Do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid of it. May the first be last and the last shall be first. As we humbly serve him, we see him show up more mightily. God, we just praise you. We give you this time. You know what's really going on in the minds and hearts of people right now. May you use us, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen. Amen.